Hey, I'm Steve Folland. Welcome to another one. This episode is supported by the Being Freelance course. It's called How to Get Started Being Freelance. And quite self-explanatory, it will help people get started being freelance. If you want to find out details, it's all at beingfreelance.com. Right now, let's find out what it's like being freelance. <laughs> I hope you're not doing the being freelance drinking game where you drink every time I say the word. <laughs> let's find out what it's like being freelance for brand designer Hope Meng. I guess I'm here as an example that the journey is long and sometimes very unexpected. And if you have the privilege of sticking with a freelance career, like so much of it can be surprising and an interesting journey. I actually broke up with one of my longest and most wonderful clients because it just wasn't going to fulfill my long-term goals. And I was much more nervous about actually doing it than when it was actually done. Once it was done, there were no hard feelings. It felt like a relief. It felt like so much more focused and purposeful. What is the balance of taking in work that will pay me now versus laying the groundwork for this other existence that I see in my future that may not be paid at this moment, but you do have to do that work to get somewhere else. Yes, so there is Hope, who is based in San Francisco. Maybe you saw a lot of her work online recently when it was the Chinese New Year, Lunar New Year, because she does these incredible Chinese... uh, Well, no, I tell you what, I won't spoil it. She can explain it for us very soon indeed. But what I would urge you to do, as with all of our guests, is to go to beingfreelance.com and click on the links so that you can find them online, give them a follow, reach out to them, tell them you enjoy the episode if you do. But yeah, make sure you get on Hope's Instagram in particular and uh, see her work because it really is brilliant. So yeah, Hope's story coming up very soon. She's a graphic brand designer, a letterer, an artist. She's um, many things. Um, Chiefly amongst all of it is lovely and talented. So her story coming up very soon indeed. Meanwhile, over in the Being Freelance community, the book club is back for 2021. If you fancy joining us as we explore different business books across the year, you can be part of that. It's the Being Freelance community at beingfreelance.com. And if you like what I do with Being Freelance, you can support it as well by donating on a monthly or one-off basis by going to my Ko-fi page. There's a link at beingfreelance.com slash coffee. Right now, let's chat to this week's guest and that is Hope Meng. Hey, Hope. Hey, Steve. Now, as ever, how about we get started hearing how you got started being freelance? Sure. Um, okay, so I'd actually like to to back it up to a few years before I went out on my own, um, because I think that helps kind of clarify some of my journey. So mm-hmm. um, I started my business in 2010, but um, back in 2007, um, I was in my final year of art school. Three years prior to that, so in 2004, I had started the country's first sewing lounge with two of my best friends. So basically, it was this brick and mortar shop that allowed you to like rent sewing machines. We taught classes and we had work from local fashion designers. So obviously, that was a huge undertaking um, while I was still going to art school. But on top of that, I was also like planning my wedding and working part time at this boutique design studio that the chair of my department had founded. So by 2008, I was like royally burned out. <laughs> and, and my husband and I decided, uh, I mean, we had been you know, planning this for a while, but we decided um, the timing was right for us to quit our jobs and travel around the world. 
So we ended up being away from home actually for 16 months. And when we returned to San Francisco, I was newly pregnant with our first child. And the original plan when we returned back to San Francisco was for me to go back to the design studio that I had been working at. But with the pregnancy, like all of a sudden, like all of this stuff was in question. Like, number one, I kind of needed to make more money. (laughs) Number two, like, would I want to stay at home with a baby? Would I want to work part time? I just didn't know any the answers to these questions. So to kind of bide my time before having the baby, I decided to freelance. And, you know, those first um, six months before having my son were kind of a crash course in all the different types of like graphic design work that you could do. So, um, you know, previously I had worked at this like boutique design studio with seven people on total on staff. But then suddenly I was working with like on site with agencies that had like 50 designers staffed on a single project. Um, I worked with an in-house design team and I was taking on my own clients as well. So like I really got to see during that time the full range of design positions. And then after the baby came, um, I continued like on working directly with clients. So um, I was with the baby part time for the first his first two years. Um, So I couldn't really take on those kinds of agency design jobs that require you to be on site for like 40 to 60 hours a week. And I didn't know it at the time, but that was such a blessing because um, that's kind of how I started building connections and developing a stable of clients. And some of those clients are like still with me to this day. So that was sort of how I got started. And then like um, fast forward to about, you know, three years ago, you know, the entire time I've been working as sort of this designer of all trades, um, doing all kinds of different design work, like doing branding. Um, I designed cookbooks with like a local publisher. I designed annual reports, just like all kinds of industries, all kinds of clients, all kinds of types of designs um, and formats. In the meantime, I had had my second child and she was about three years old. So you can imagine how like crazy my life was at that point. (laughs) Um, And, you know, maybe this is kind of like a, like a classic, you know, midlife crisis kind of story. But like one day I kind of woke up and I realized that I hadn't really accomplished and like even half of the things that I had originally envisioned for my career. Um, I also didn't feel very fulfilled by my career. Like now I realize it, but at the time I think I was in sort of like a low grade depression And I was feeling just like super unmotivated by my work. I was dreaming of an exit of like winning the lottery and like never, you know, becoming just like a old lady who got to, you know, watercolor all day or something, you know, (laughs) just was having so many fantasies about um, getting away. And, you know, that now I realize like, oh, that was that was depression. Like depression doesn't always look like, you know, crying and not being able to get out of bed. Sometimes it just feels like you're living your life in molasses. You know, everything just feels like harder to do than it normally is. Mm. Anyway, the process of getting myself out of that was, you know, probably around a year to year and a half long journey. And what it, what it looked like was just this like flurry of activity. Like once I realized that, uh, like, I'm not like a naturally depressive person. And so once I realized that that's what was that's the state I was in. It was like, it, it motivated me. I immediately like threw myself back into creative work, like in every aspect. So I not only started making more time for myself to create, but I started like attending conferences so I could connect to the creative community. I started engaging more in like the online creative community through Instagram. 
And, you know, personally, I worked with like a therapist and a business coach to kind of bring more clarity about what I wanted out of my life's work. Um, and, you know, I'm always evolving. Things are always changing, especially over the last year, all of the craziness that has happened. But, you know, here I'm, I am on the other side and I feel like I have much greater purpose and much more satisfaction in my work than I've ever had. And so the reason why I went on that huge long story to tell um, to tell your listeners is that, you know, you hear these days a lot about people um, preparing to go freelance. Like there's just there's so many resources out there that, you know, help you to prepare for the journey with intention, like there are guides and like even, you know, online courses and stuff on the finances, on the business side and even on the emotional side. But I want to say that there are people out there like me who just sort of like throw themselves into it <laughs> without all that preparation work. And like, while it, you know, it's probably a good idea for you to like understand what you're getting into. I guess I'm here as an example that the journey is long and sometimes very unexpected. And if you have like the privilege of st sticking with a freelance career, like so much of it can be surprising and an interesting journey. Wow. Um, okay. There's so much to talk about. <laughs> Where to begin? I tell you what, let's go right back though. Okay. Because how did you go about getting those first freelance clients? If if I'm remembering right, when you came back from traveling and you decided to start freelancing mm -hmm. ahead of the birth of your first child. So how did you get those first freelance clients? Yeah, that's a great question. Okay. So when I first decided that I was going to hang my hat out, you know, it was sort of helpful because we had just come back also from this, you know, 16 month journey. And so it was mm -hmm. this, it was a time of like reconnecting with my community. And, and so I basically reached out to everybody that I knew. I put it on, you know, at back in, this was like 10 years ago. So back in that day, it wasn't as um, like social media was not quite as big as it is now. Um, mm -hmm. But in some ways that was better because it was much more intimate. So, you know, I posted on all of my social media channels and then I just set up meetings with all friends that I could, that would possibly have any sort of leads sent out an email saying, you know, I'm available for design work. This is what I'm going to do. And so some of those led to actual work and it was, you know, it's been a chain reaction this entire, over the last decade, it's like, okay, so I met with a friend who passed my name on to this person who worked at an online publication. So then I did some work for them. And then a client, you know, saw my work for the online publication, hired me to do some work for, you know, the company that they work for on and on and on down the line. So that's sort of how, how the ball has continued to roll over these years. And if I'd have visited your website, did you have a website? Like, How would that have portrayed you back then? Oh my gosh, that's a great question. Um, I think it was, okay, so I, I kind of can't remember what my website, we, we'll have to go look in like the Wayback Machine or whatever. You know? Oh yeah, oh yeah, I always forget about that. That's a good machine. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, it would have been kind of unfocused. Oh, I do remember my old website now. Okay, well, it was not full width. Because, <laughs> you know, we didn't do that back then. 
Um, and it had, it was all like little thumbnails of um, some work that I had done at the, the studio that I was working at um, before I left on my around the world trip. And as well as, you know, two or three kind of um, uh, student projects. And also you mentioned like the, this sewing lens, yeah. the, the country's first sewing yeah. lens, which is quite some uh, phrase, unless, of course, it's still the only sewing lounge. I don't know. Um, the, I mean, that suggests like, uh, did, did you learn anything, basically, in that sort of, that that sounds more like a real sort of entrepreneurial sort of thing to do, albeit, you know, formed out of uh, a love of art and craft type stuff. Did that help you at all? Oh, my gosh, yes. Um, and, you know, probably left me with some scars as well. <laughs> <laughs> Not just from a wayward sewing. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, it's it's interesting because that was a very different kind of business. It was a brick and mortar shop. It mm. had um, so many different components, you know, like we had probably around under 10 employees, but we had employees. Um, we were teaching classes. Um, so I I learned so much from that experience. Number one, I mean, I guess this, you know, I alluded earlier to scars. I mean, what it taught me was that I didn't want to have a brick and mortar shop. (laughs) (laughs) Services all the way. (laughs) Um, It also kind of, I mean, to this day, I still have a little bit of an allergic reaction to um, hiring employees because, Mm -hmm. you know, it's it's a lot of pressure to have people depending on you for employment. But I learned so much. I mean, I really kind of learned how to um, teach and I learned so much about running a business and what type of business I wanted to run. But probably the biggest lesson was um, really understanding how to work with people. In the context of the sewing lounge, it was much more about working with my business partners and probably dealing with, you know, challenging clients. And, you know, that's obviously set me up so well to work with um, clients today. Yeah. How do do you find, you know, managing one-on-one client relationships? For most of it, you seem to have cut out agencies, for example, and and you're working directly with, right? That's right. Um, I do still sometimes work with agencies. And I also, I have two colleagues that I work with quite closely who are more, you know, brand strategists. So we will team up and do the whole shebang that a bigger agency would do, but, you know, just on a kind of more intimate scale. Yeah. Um, so that's been, that's a new development that's happened in the last year that's been really fruitful and really wonderful. But yes, I do tend to work directly with clients. And, you know, as I spoke about earlier, going through during that whole period when I was sort of like pulling myself out of like depression and figuring out what it was I wanted to do with my work. What I realized during that time was that, you know, for me, the work is always about enabling somebody's vision in the best way possible. It's about this like entrepreneurial spirit and helping people achieve the good that they want to do in the world. And that's why I love working directly with clients because I get to hear all that vision and that drive and that mission. And it's something that you're a little bit insulated from when you work with an agency. That's really interesting hearing about you teaming up with others, Mm -hmm. by the way. 
Can you explain how that sort of came about and how it works? Sure. Um, So one of my colleagues um, is a woman named Wendy Smith. She's in Austin, Texas, and we actually know Mm -hmm. each other from art school. And Wendy's journey after art school, um, she went in more like the brand strategy kind of path. And while I continued on design, we sort of reconnected in the last year. You know, she's got her own stable of clients as well. Very similar to me, like just on a more on a brand strategy scale. Um, So she's, you know, independent, um, works on her own and um, has just sort of partnered with designers here and there. And our skills just complement each other so well. And, uh, you know, we're on like the fifth branding project or something of the last like three months. So (laughs) that's going great. And then um, another woman that I partner with is um, a woman in San Francisco. And it's a little bit harder to explain what her um, expertise is. So she she runs a small design studio that's called Duende. Basically, she's almost like a a processes or like a culture designer, if that makes any sense. Right. So what she does is she'll um, she works with much larger companies, and she will work with a team, and she does a lot of workshops to help them sort of design their processes and design their culture, and as a result of those workshops, a lot of times you end up with these byproducts that need to be designed. And so she and I work together on the design portion as well. Is that like a relationship where they have hired you or where you're like putting yourself forward as a, I don't know, like a joint thing? Ah, yes. Um, I guess they're usually hiring in this situation, they're usually hiring her studio. It sounds like you're excited in that like way of working, like not just doing things by yourself, but collab- that collaboration side of it. I am. Yeah. And, you know, it's something that, um, as I mentioned earlier through the sewing lounge, you know, I was for a long time very nervous about, you know, bringing on people. And I had done it from time to time when I had gotten too busy, like brought on a junior designer or something like that, you know, hired a copywriter. But it's something that I hadn't fully done in a while, which is like work in a more collaborative way with somebody who was at at my same level. And um, that's proving to be quite, now that I have a better understanding of what my strengths are and, and the ways that I want to develop, it's, it's been a really wonderful development in the last year. Obviously, when I introduced you, I described you as a brand designer. You were saying when you first started out, obviously you design anything. How did you get into that, like calling yourself that and just doing that? Yeah, I mean, that was the result of that work I had done about two years ago with my business coach and probably just through, you know, therapy and self-examination. I just put a lot of thought into like, okay, what is it about this work that fulfills me, like actually fills my bucket, you know, (laughs) why do I love it so much? And, you know, it's easy to say it now, but it took a long time to figure out what exactly that was. And as I mentioned, that that is about enabling somebody's vision, about hearing their story and presenting it in the best way possible through like kind of strategic or kind of conceptual analysis of what their mission and their vision are. And once I realized that, it was like, okay, 
as much as I kind of liked designing cookbooks, because that's pretty fun. Like, I, that's not really getting me to what what I am saying my own vision is, you know. And so um, I very quickly realized exactly, okay, well, that's it's really about the brand design. Like, it's about taking somebody's desire to do good in this world and presenting it in a visual way. And that is brand design. And that's when I decided, like, okay, that's what that's my focus. And that is what I will be doing from here on out. Do you think you needed to go through the years of designing everything to realize what it was that, you know, lit you up, that filled your bucket? Mm -hmm. Or do you wish you'd have, you know, figured this out (laughs) years ago? Like, do do you think you have to go through it in order Uh to find that niche? For me, yes. I think there are a lot of people out there who have more... um, Okay, I'm going to get a little like woo-woo here, but I, I remember when my husband and I first got together or started dating, we had somebody gifted us like a astrological chart reading, you know, mm-hmm. and we went and, um, you know, we had to give this person our birthday, like time of birth and all this stuff where we, we were located when we were born, etc. I don't remember much from the reading, but I remember in the reading, she gave us this chart that's sort of like graphed in this circle if you can imagine almost like a clock you know um Mm -hmm. that sort of graphed the way that our brains worked and his was like all on one side like everything was pointing to this like you know three hands of the clock let's say like you know three four and five or something and my chart was literally the entire clock it was like (laughs) it was all over you know and And I think about that a lot because I have a lot of interests. You know, I'm, I'm one of those people who's like very, um, I I love learning new things. And so I think for myself, I did have to go through all that to understand what it was that I wanted to do. I think some people come out the gate and they already know what they want to (laughs) do. But for me, that's, that's, I, I did have to go through that. Yeah. But how did it then feel when you'd made that decision? Presumably you had to perhaps turn stuff away. Yeah, I did. I did. Um, actually broke up with one of my longest and, you know, most wonderful clients because I was never going to get to do the brand work there. It just wasn't going to fulfill my long-term goals, you know, and I was much more nervous about actually doing it than when it was actually done. Once it was done, I there were no hard feelings. I found another designer who could, you know, work with them and it felt like a relief. It felt like so mm. much more focused and purposeful. Um and yes, I had to do the same with a a couple of other clients as well. But what's great about it is you know, once you understand what your strengths are and, and like knowing that you are accomplished and good at this particular thing instead of, you know, let's say a client comes to me wanting to do an app and like previously I would have, you know, maybe like seven years ago, I would have considered it. I would have been like, oh, maybe I would do that, something like that, you know, but that would have taken so much time <laughs> and, 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 and that's a lot of creative energy that you are using up on the learning of a new platform versus the actual work. So right. it really frees you up to, it frees up space in your creative mind to make sure that you're doing the level of work that you want to do. 
I also introduced you as a letterer mm-hmm. and artist. So whilst you have sort of niched in terms of design, you're you're still very happy to say, no, but I do this and this. Thanks very much. I've still got some <laughs> of that clock face covered. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So um, I call myself a letterer because probably, the, you know, one of the things that I'm well known for is um, about five years ago now, so November of 2015, I, I kind of on a whim um, decided to start this personal project that's called Monogram Project. And the way that it sort of arose was that I noticed that whenever I was starting on a brand redesign or a brand design, I always wanted to start with a monogram. And I was like, I, you know, I had always had this interest in typography um, throughout art school I actually did not really know. I mean, lettering is a huge thing now, but I actually did not know it was a thing (laughs) at that time. Mm. Um, But I stumbled, I guess, upon that um, community when I introduced Monogram Project. And basically Monogram Project is is this super long running project that um, the goal of it is to design or draw every two letter combination of the alphabet. And the rule is I'm, I do it in order. So starting with AA and end with ZZ. And it's five years later and I'm only at DV. <laughs> but, you know, oh that's God. like over 100 monograms. So yeah. um, and, you know, all in all, it'll be 676 monograms. And on my current pace, I'm really only doing... You know, my my when I first started the project, my pace was about two alphabet sets a year. That's one per week, basically one monogram per week. And then I just, you know, during that time, while I was sort of lethargic and depressed, didn't post for like two years. So my current rate is about one letter set a year. And so it'll take 26 years to finish this project. On my current rate, wow. hopefully I can um, I can kind of like pick up the pace a little bit here. But um, I will say that that is another source of work and name recognition, and it supports my work in a lot of different ways. So, um, number one, a lot of really cool things have come out of Monogram Project. Like it's been covered in online publications, you know, like Adobe's blog and um, the Create Magazine. And I ended up teaching a workshop at Letterform Archive about designing monograms. So there's a lot that's come out of it besides just the work. And um, it supports my work a lot, too, because now, you know, clients will look at the monogram project and they'll be like, I like that style. And that is like such a huge advantage when you're starting off on a brand design. It's like when you understand Mm. what style they like already out the gate, that just makes your work so much easier. Such a cool project. And how are you sharing it? How are you putting it out there in the world? So I really just started on Instagram. And it, you know, from the beginning, it kind of blew up right away. And people were super interested. You know, back then, I think it was a little bit easier to find people organically. And people were finding my project organically, you know, just the whole like lettering and typography community found it interesting. They were thinking, I'm going to follow this for the next 30 years. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then, you know, I think it kind of dropped off when I didn't post for, you know, a year and a half or whatever it was. But, um, but yeah, it was, uh, oh, shoot, sorry, I lost my train of thought. 
tell me the question again. Oh, that's a yes. I remember even what I asked. <laughs> Um, I, no, I was saying, how do you put it out there oh, yeah. in, into the world? Yeah, so um, it was mostly on Instagram. And then um, I made a website specifically for the project. And then now, you know, five years later, it starts, I guess, the way that the project kind of gets out is um, through some of these of these like online publications and companies or whatever organizations that have learned about it and think it's cool. So, um, you know, a lot of followers from like the Adobe Create feature and then also probably from the letter form archive um workshop i love it so much so like it helps you because you're practicing your art Mm -hmm. uh, and your skill as it were but it's um it helps your clients but it helps bring you clients Mm -hmm. it helps like build your 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 recognition but ultimately you just love doing it but it's also cool to know that you were able to take a break from that because you know uh, lots of people start projects they they can become quite consuming but you were able to take a break and then come back to it and keep it alive I like that too yeah and you know something that I um I meant to mention was one of the reasons why I even found it interesting or wanted to start on this project is because you know back then um it was really hard to kind of show the range of styles that I was capable of uh, that that I was interested in because clients you know especially if you're in San Francisco, I I tend to have a lot of clients that are like architecture based for whatever reason. And, um, you know, there's a lot of startups and that sort of thing in San Francisco, like tech companies are not going to go for like black letter, you know, but like I happen to love black letter and I wanted to show that that was something I was interested in and something I was capable of doing. And so I was able to explore all of these styles that were much more expressive than I was getting hired to do. And that I think is, you know, that's again, part of my weird, you know, clock graph thing. You know, I want to explore the Mm. whole range and not just one particular look. And so it really helped to fulfill that need in myself to be, to be able to show my range and to show um, what I was interested in. Obviously go to beingfreelance.com for all of our guests. There's going to be a link through so you can find out about the monogram project Mm -hmm. in particular, but um if we now look at how your business evolved and like where you are now in like 2021, mm-hmm. um, like what are your revenue streams? What do you have coming in? Yeah, so um, the huge like chunk of it is all brand design with independent businesses. So um, they're usually, you know, what I I guess you could consider them small businesses because they're all you know under 500 employees. That allows me to work directly with the stakeholders or the, you know, the principals. And that's, as I mentioned, what I really love about the work. So that's a a big portion of it. There is, I mean, what I would consider like straddling the kind of precipice between art and design. And so I've done a project that is a series of interactive art pieces in an office building. I don't know if I can actually say the client. (laughs) So I'm just going to not say it right now. So, um, but it's a big client and, you know, they have whatever, 20 floors in their offices in San Francisco and it's a specific floor and it's a series of like murals and art installations with like one of them um, had a bunch of like hand painted signage that I, that I hand painted. Another piece was, 
a neon sign that I designed. Last year, I also did a project for one of my brand design clients. So it was Eat Real Festival. And it's a huge food festival that happens in Oakland every year. And um, they have these, it's a free festival, so you don't have to pay to get into it. The redesign that I ended up doing for them was very um, like hand-drawn, really kind of, um, what's the word, like uh, playful. And I actually pitched them on a live mural painting at their event because it worked so well with their brand. And I was like, look, the, the look and feel already is like this sort of playful, hand-drawn um, set of graphics, right? So what I, what I pitched to them was this, I would live paint essentially like a big mural that was like a life-size coloring book. So it had all of their brand illustrations. And then we would put out these paint markers and the community could come and fill it in. And so that was like so in line with their brand values. And they, they, they were just like, yes, let's do it. You know? So it's kind of, that's why I think it's sort of this weird spot between art and design, because it still requires this understanding of the organization's brand, but it is sort Mm -hmm. of like this, um, interaction that's more like art driven. Yeah. I like that. You're like spotting opportunities and how you can help them. Yeah. So income stream wise, mm-hmm. there's the brand work, mm-hmm. there's art installation type live work. Yep. Anything else? It's a much smaller percentage of my income, but I do actually make some income from print on demand products. So I had a different personal project that I completed this year, which I can talk about if you'd like. And, you know, some people actually do find the monogram project and license or like purchase the monogram for use as their logo. And so that's sort of like a passive income stream because, I mean, I have to do a little bit of work, you know, usually like preparing the files, but it's not a lot of work because the work is already, the design part is already done. And it's so much more affordable for the client because the work is already done. It's just sitting there, you know, and I don't have to do custom work for them. So they just purchase the monogram and, you know. So if their company happens to be, you know, like CF and you've already done yeah. CF and they like what's that. So I've got to wait a long time for you to get to S for <laughs> Steve Fon. I've got Wow. Okay. So there's that passive income stream from the monogram project, mm-hmm. but, but, but another personal project as well. Yeah. So um, another like source of income. I mean, again, it wasn't like a, Compared to the branding projects, it's a much smaller percentage, but I applied for the um, Adobe Creative Residency Fund. In the past, what they've done is they end up granting a full salary to, you know, maybe like six people a year that they choose. And they're across all disciplines. So it's not just designers, but photographers, illustrators, UI, UX designers, et cetera. And what they do is they basically sponsor somebody to work on their personal project for a year to apply for the program. You pitch them on your project and then, you know, they, you go through a series of interviews in order to, um, to win the commission. This past year, (laughs) Adobe changed the format a little bit, um, to, to respond to the pandemic and the way that it had affected freelance artists. And um, what they did was they made much smaller grant commissions, but spread it across like maybe like 25 to 50 people a month 
So it was a lot more artists that got the commission. Right, because they wanted to help people whose incomes had been affected. Exactly. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. You know, and, and as it turns out, I was commissioned by the illustrator for iPad team to work on a personal project. And the project that I worked on was, the title of it is Hansimals. And basically that means Chinese words. Like if you may have heard the Japanese term kanji and... Hanzi is basically kanji, but in Chinese. I'm Chinese. My children go to a Mandarin immersion school. For the last several years, I have been designing the um, t-shirt that gets sold for their school's annual Chinese New Year event, which is the biggest community event at the school. It was the year of the pig. And I combined this like very graphic, iconic illustration of a pig with the word the, the character for pig in Chinese. And that was the seed of the project. And since then, I've always wanted to design the entire Chinese zodiac. So that's like 12 different animals. So this last year um, was the year of the rat. And I, again, um, designed like an illustration of a rat with the actual character of the rat, like combined. It's almost like a monogram, mm -hmm. but <laughs> instead it's like an illustration <laughs> so plus a cool. Chinese character. Yeah. Adobe Creative Residency allowed me to expand it into the entire Zodiac. So I completed the entire Zodiac. I did a post on Instagram for each of the animals. I also have taken that project and like made products from it. And then my ultimate dream is to be able to make this into like a children's board book you know, where they children can learn. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It is wonderful. Again, there's a link at beingfreelance.com. Like the, 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 the way you bring like the, the Chinese characters in, like an animal is made out of the Chinese characters. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then, but seeing it on all those products is really cool as well. Thanks. So is that everything? So we've got, um, I guess, passive, not so passive, but passive income from, that project, the other project, brand, doing live art, anything else? <laughs> <laughs> Do you teach? Because you, you talked about mm. teaching, you know, when you were doing the, the, the sewing lab. Yeah, I did actually teach a workshop for, um, for Letterform Archive this year. Yeah. I don't normally, I mean, I guess I, it's not something I do regularly. Um, right. But I do really enjoy it. I had a, a blast teaching that monogram workshop. And then just the enthusiasm of all of the designers who took the workshop and the, seeing the work that came out of it. it it's really gratifying. I, I do really enjoy doing that. Work-life balance-wise, how do you feel like you're getting on with that? You, it sounded like you're somebody who, you know, you took 16 months out to travel the world, for example. <laughs> no, so, so maybe it's not all about work all the time with you, but equally you got to that point of burnout as well. So how, how have you found that side of things with being freelance? Yeah, well, I mean, children certainly uh, very much limit your working hours, right? They sure do. <laughs> they, they, do not, uh, they do not stand for um, you sitting at a computer, you know, when they're around. So, so that, you know, obviously helps move things along. It's definitely a skill that I've developed the longer that I've been in this career. I mean, I definitely remember in the early days just not understanding at all how long something was going to take me and, you know, not only underpricing the project, but just 
you know, being really stressed because you didn't give yourself enough time to achieve something. So I'm much better nowadays about scheduling and project management than I was back in those days. But, you know, like many creative and interested people, I'm, I have a hard time saying no to projects that I think are cool. And so, you know, maybe once or twice a year, I will get myself into this situation (laughs) where I'm having to work after the kids go to bed or, you know, I'm kind of on the edge of burnout, but you know, it gets better. I guess I just, I still do it, but it's just not as frequently. It's not as often because Mm -hmm. nowadays I do know how long something is going to take me. And I'm much, much better about scheduling. Like I schedule out like every, um, if I have a deliverable or some sort of uh, milestone that I need to meet, I'm very good about scheduling. Like, like I schedule out almost every single hour of my day when I'm in that situation. Yeah. And so you, if something came along and you already knew you had plenty on, you'd, you'd push back? Oh, yeah, definitely. I would say, you know, I can't start this until X date. I would just make that clear from the very beginning because this doesn't serve anybody, you know, to be trying to wedge something in. I mean, you end up not doing work that you're not super excited about and doesn't help the client either to have work that's not, you know, amazing. Yeah. It sounds like the business coach was quite a big thing for you. Yeah. Sometimes like in the being freelance community, people will say, how do you even find a business coach? How do I know <laughs> whether? So I'm, I'm going to ask that. Like everybody's answer is always a bit different. But how, how did you go about finding and choosing who to work with in that? Work? Yeah, that's a great question. So I had sort of seen about her written online because she is the coach of many, not designers, but the independent creative businesswomen in San Francisco. And they would post about her in stories or, you know, whatever, mention her by name. Um, And so I just started following her. And, you know, at the time it came up where, you know, she mentioned that she was um, ready to start a new cohort. And so I ended up, um, you know, the timing just worked out really well. And so I would I would work with her again or I would work with, you know, I would consider um, checking out other people as well. And the way that I would go about that is I have a lot of friends who, you know, it, you, you'll be surprised if you put the word out there that you are looking for somebody like a business coach. A lot of people have actually worked with business coaches, at least in San Francisco. Maybe it's like a Northern California thing. <laughs> but but um, a lot of people have done it. And a lot of people have actually Um, like interviewed several different coaches. So it's not just like, oh, I worked with this coach. It's like, I worked with this coach, but I also know about these like other five coaches. (laughs) So, you know, you have a very large pool to gather from. So that's how I would go about it if I was looking for a new coach. Now, Hope, I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself to make two true, one a lie, and let me figure out the lie. What have you got for me? Okay, this is really fun. (laughs) So um, I'm a published author. I was a professional belly dancer who performed in Japan (laughs) and I designed a mark that had the potential to be the new peace sign or recycle sign. So something within that canon, but it was killed. So you designed something that was very almost adopted to be like a universal sign. Or I, I thought it had the potential to be and it was positioned to become that. So what was it going to be a sign for? For gender equality. Interesting. Yeah. 
Hmm. You were a pro belly dancer. When did you get into belly dancing? In college. You did say pro, so that means people paid you to do belly dancing. But you did. You ended up doing it in Japan. Does that mean they they flew a load of like <laughs> <laughs> they they flew a load of people from America to Japan、mm-hmm. to do a dance that isn't, unless I'm totally wrong, <laughs> cult- culturally native to either. Um, how did that? Like, who were you performing for? It was actually a parade, and it was for an international dance festival. So there were people from all over the world who were performing their native dance. But you weren't performing your native dance. <laughs> no, I, I was not. <laughs> okay, and you're a published author.、Yes. Uh, what's what, what's your what's your book? Um, I actually have two books written、Ooh. about refashioning clothing. So this was back、huh. in the sewing lounge days. Oh, of course. Yeah. Okay. And what's the book called? The first one is called "So Subversive." <laughs> <laughs> Do you know if this if that is not true, it's a crying shame for literature. That is such a good title. <laughs> All right. I believe the author. That sounds about right. You guys were really into your sewing thing.、Mm-hmm. It's a good name. <laughs>、uh, the gender equality design. I mean, that sounds very plausible. Lots of people have to come up with things in pitches and stuff that never gets used. Do you think it might do? I'll be honest. The one that doesn't sound plausible is the belly dancing, and yet it is so out there <laughs> that it feels like. It must be true because it's like, where would that come from? Paid to do a dance that wasn't your native dance, a parade where people were doing native dances. It just, yeah, it doesn't add up. <laughs> maybe it's just not a very well thought through lie,、um, or maybe it happened. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to say that's the lie. Okay, okay. So you are right, Steve. But guess what?、Yes. All of that、what? actually happened, but in China. Ah,、uh, what? Yes. Well, do you know what this is exciting? Because <laughs> the the lie the lie that seems so ridiculous in a way was true. You simply changed the country. Yeah. So I'm not going to get cross about it because I kind of won, <laughs> and yet I feel like I didn't because it was also true. You were flown from America. <laughs> yes. To China. To perform a belly dance in a parade, yes, and got paid for it, yes. To be honest, I feel like we need a beer to get the truth <laughs> out of this story. Maybe when I come to San Francisco one day, you're on. I will get to the bottom of it. For, for now, I will let it have a veil, a belly dancing veil of mystery over it. Instead,、um, okay. Now, if you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would that be? I would say that. It's okay to be multifaceted and have different interests, and in fact, that is your strength. Nice. <laughs> Having most of the clock face covered. Yes. So long as it doesn't take up all the time of the real clock face. And one thing I I wanted to just pick up, like you spoke at one point about, you know, the things that you'd envision, the things that you, <laughs> I can't say. <laughs> The things that you had envisioned—oh, for God's sake! Why did you use that word? The things that you had envisioned、yes. for your life, 
like um and for your career mm-hmm. and so i'm just thinking like are you somebody who makes plans and works towards them mm. do you have stuff ahead of you that you're thinking about oh yeah <laughs> um other than 26 years of my <laughs> like yes i mean well it's funny i had a whole journey during your question <laughs> When you said, are you somebody who plans things? And when at the beginning of your question, when you said that, somebody who plans things and works towards them, I have a hard time saying yes to that. I am not one of those people who's like, okay, there is my goal. I have total 100% clarity and I will go towards that vision. You know, I'm, mm. I, I change a lot. <laughs> it's, um, it's, a pro- it's much more of a process for me. And I think that's relatable, right? I don't, I mean, are there that many people out there that are super laser focused on like what it is that they want ultimately in life? And then when they get there, are they like totally satisfied? I mean, like getting to that point necessarily means that you're changing and it always adjusts, right? The end always changes. (laughs) So when you said that part, I had a hard time getting on board with seeing myself as that person. Yeah. However, when you said, do you, are, do you have things on the horizon? The answer was yes. I was like, yes, I do have, you know, visions of what I want to be come. And that's, that's part of the struggle, right? Is that um, when it's sort of like unconventional or it's not something that's like totally, that there's an example already out there for you, it's a little harder to, figure out how you're going to get there. So my vision is very much pushing towards more of like an art practice. I have a project that I'm working on, <laughs> yet another personal project, Steve, because um, <laughs> I just can't get enough of them apparently. Um, but it requires a lot. It, it's a, it's going to be a journey. And I don't know. I mean, of course, there are people out there who are artists and, and designers at the same time. But often they do not package it together. You know, they, they kind of market it separately, which is kind of what I do, I'm doing. So that's a, a place that is very confusing for me. It's like, how do I do this? Like, am I one person <laughs> or am I two people, like a design person and mm. an art person? And that's sort of like the struggle I'm in currently. Like, how do I achieve both of these things? And what is the balance of design and art what is the balance of taking in work that will pay me now versus laying the groundwork for this other existence that I see in my future that may not be paid at this moment but you do have to do that work right (laughs) to get to get somewhere else so fascinating when you get to be the old lady who gets to do watercolors all day (laughs) Maybe she will know the answer. <laughs> I hope she does, Steve. I hope she does. No, I love that. I love that. I love that a lot. Um, hope it's been such a joy chatting to you. Thank you so much. Go to beingfreelance.com. There will be links through so that you can see what Hope is up to. Check out her various projects. And trust me, I wanted to ask more about personal projects, but we have chatted. So, so. <laughs> it feels like, do you know, it, just quickly, it feels like personal projects, making time for personal projects is important to you. Yes. That's a big um, realization that I had after that, you know, kind of depressive period um, about three years ago. 
is mm. that um, creativity for me is self-care. That's what I was not understanding that before. I, I thought self-care was like getting a massage. <laughs> but and 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 that it is, you know, it is that as well. Mm. But for me, it is about indulging my creativity. And that is what is lasting and sustainable. It's not the massage. It's it's that part. So I make time for yeah. those things in order to make sure the rest of my life is in balance. Love it. Um, go to beingfreelance.com. There will be links through to everything that Hope is up to. Make sure you follow her on social. If you've enjoyed this, you can reach out, say hi. Uh, check out her amazing shop as well. And of course, if you're listening to this years in the future, please go take a look. See where that journey, what was on the horizon. See what figured out along the way. So all links are at beingfreelance.com. And if like myself and like Hope, you're freelancing whilst also being a parent, check out the other podcast that I do with Frankie from the Doing It For The Kids community. It's called Doing It For The Kids. So if you've already got your phone out listening to this in your podcast app of choice, search for Doing It For The Kids and hit subscribe on that as well. If you've enjoyed this, think about leaving a review. And remember, uh, you don't have to be freelance alone. Come join the Being Freelance community and uh, I'll see you in there at some point to boot. Uh, but for now, Hope, thank you so much and all the best being freelance. Thank you so much, Steve. This was so fun. 